And welcome to Eastside, where it is Easter in the house. All right. Oh, we're so happy that you're here. Welcome all of you in the main room today. We're just so happy that you came out and are worshiping with us today. Welcome to our overflow people, man. They're packed in over in the gym over there. So thank you guys for being there. And they've got the best place, man. They got hamburgers going on and french fries, and it is happening over there. Not really, but try to make them feel good, okay? And online folks, Man, I don't know how to say thank you. We never ever dreamed that God would use a pandemic to expand his kingdom in all churches, man, all over. And we're just thrilled you're with us. Um, you're a part of us online all over America. And uh, we're just happy that you're here. Hey, I gotta tell you about something. I did something recently that I was so proud of. Man, I was just so, so proud of. But my wife was not impressed at all. Does anybody have that going on in your life? Okay, here's, here's what happened. We were gonna take a road trip together, and so we had a few states that we're gonna go through. And so a week or so ago, we, we take off on this road trip. And so we're heading out of uh, my driveway where we live, and I look down at my car, I look at the odometer, and I see how many miles I have on my car, and then I just kind of calculate in my head um, kind of where we're going and everything we're gonna be doing, and I think through all of that, and I take the miles on the odometer and how many miles I'm kind of guessing that we're probably gonna use on this trip, and I add them together, and I, I calculate in my head that when we get home in about five days, I'm gonna have 90,000 miles on my car. Now, ladies, that's just a dude thing. We just do it, okay? So just bear with me. And so I got that going on in my head. And so, so we go, we have our great trip together, and we're ready to come back, and we're about ready to leave the farthest part we were, and we're gonna head on home, and I look down at the clock in my car. Got this clock right here, I see what time it is, and I think about where, where we're gonna go, and how we're gonna go home, and gonna hit some pit stops, and grab some food, and probably do a little shopping. And so I'm thinking in my head, when we're gonna get home. And I, I look at the clock and I kind of think all that and I figure out we're gonna drive into our driveway at about 11.30 p.m. And you dudes in the room know what I'm talking about because we all do that. There's not a guy in this room who won't drive 100 mile an hour to meet his goal. Am I right? So that's going on. So I've got these things all during our trip. You know, 90,000 miles on a car, get home at 11.30 p.m. So Monday night, we're cruising into our subdivision. We're about done. And I look at the odometer and I look at the clock and I about bust out of the whole car. I looked at my wife, and I said, baby, let me tell you something. I've not told her any of this stuff at all. And I said, I want you to see something, and you're going to find out the stud that you married. <laughs> and I said, I estimated when we would drive into the driveway, there'd be 90,000 miles on my car. And I want you to look at that, baby, 89,998 miles. You better believe, whoa, okay? 
And then I told her, I said, this morning when we left, I thought through everywhere we were gonna go, and I figured we pulled in the driveway at 11.30, and mama, won't you look at that clock right there, what's that say? 11.28. And here's what she said. Hmm. What do you mean, hmm? Well, what are you talking about, huh? I mean, if you could factor all that together and all you got is, hmm, that's all you got. And I didn't say anything because my feelings were hurt and I prayed about it and fasted over it, threw ashes on me. And a couple days later, I realized that she was, she was appropriate in her response because I was wrong. In say 90,000 miles, it said 89,998. It didn't say 1130, it said 1128. I was only close. And that is exactly why Jesus is something special. Because Jesus was never close. Jesus wasn't even ever close to close. He was always what? Exact. And maybe you don't know this, maybe you're not aware of this, but have you ever realized that Jesus predicted exactly when he would raise from the dead? Now I want that to get down in you and just kind of squish around and mess with you a little bit. Because it's one thing to predict something that you can kind of see maybe you might be right. Like how far it's going to take you to get somewhere and how many miles and what time. You can kind of say, you know, if you think about it and you get a little luck, you might be right about that. So that's one thing. But to predict something that nobody in their right mind would ever believe that would ever happen. Like raised from the dead and when you're going to do it. Now you got something going. And Jesus predicted it exactly. If you haven't seen it in the Bible, let me show you just one place where it came up. In the 17th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said this, the Son of Man, which was his favorite title about himself, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. Do you see it there? Third day, raised to life. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, exactly, that's when I'm gonna raise. And he did it. And that prediction by Jesus, the exact location and the exact timing of when he would raise is repeated over and over in the New Testament. And if you've never saw this, even after he does it, and angels show up on the scene of the empty tomb, even the angel was amazed about it. Did you ever pay attention to what the angel said? Check this out. He said, he is not here, he is risen. That's what we talk about, okay? But did you catch this? Just as he said, exactly. It's not just that he rose from the dead, it's that he called it. And he called it exactly when it was gonna happen. 
Now, I know there's some people who kind of hear all that and say, you know, that makes a nice story, okay? That's kind of a good little fairy tale story. Um, it kind of goes along with the idea of, you know, just kind of believe in the unbelievable. But there's no way that could have ever happened. No way. And if you happen to be one of those people that in your, your deepest moment of total honesty, all by yourself, you, you hear this idea that raising from the dead exactly three days later, and you're going, I don't know, man, I don't know. Can I just throw a couple things at you real quick? Let me, let me just throw some bits of evidence to you for you to think about that tends to prove it really happened. I want you to consider this. I want you to consider the body. Think about that for a second. Consider the body of Jesus. Nobody in history has ever claimed to have found it. If you wanna, you wanna go to the grave where the body of President Kennedy is late, then go to Washington, D.C. I've been there, it's there. If you wanna go to the grave where the body of Abraham Lincoln, our great president, where that is late, then you go to Springfield, Illinois. I've been there, it's there. You wanna to go to the grave of Muhammad Ali, head over to Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville and find his grave and he's buried right there. I've been there. Kinda of sounds like I hang out in cemeteries a lot, doesn't it? But everybody's got a grave except him. Why? Because nobody has ever found his body. We claim that he's alive. Naysayers say he's dead. Where is he? Let me show you this if that doesn't do it for you. Just another thing to think about. Consider the apostles. This will really rack your brain if you think about it a little bit. His best friends heard him predict this. They heard it, dang. And then they saw it happen. And once they saw him alive, knew he was alive, he goes back up into heaven, and here's what the apostles do. They then start going out and preaching about it. We saw him. He's alive. He's alive. And they start the church. They started what we're carrying on right here in this day, in this room. They started the church, and they did all that knowing that the Romans would kill them just like they killed him. And that's what they did. They killed all the apostles. Now let me just kind of ask you to play with something in your head. If it were a lie, do you think they would have done that? Who agrees to be murdered for a lie? And if that doesn't kind of perk you up to go, man, there might be something going on here. Then let me just throw one more evidence to you that I want you to kind of play around with. I want you to consider the day of worship. Back in that day, they were Jewish people. They worshiped on Saturdays. That, that's what they had done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They worshiped on Saturday, the seventh day. Why'd they do that? <laughs> it was one of the big 10, that's why. And then Jesus raises up on the first day of the week, on Sunday. Guess what they did? They changed the day they worshiped. We're not gonna do it on a Saturday anymore, we're gonna do it on Sunday now. You're gonna what? You're gonna change one of the big 10? How, how would you do that? Be, because he rose on Sunday. If he didn't raise on Sunday, they never ever would have done that. So at this point in the game today, you're, you're kinda here and you're, you're thinking, and, and I'm okay with you thinking this, 
you're, you're kind of thinking, let's just be real about it, this is kind of a typical Easter a little bit. I mean, some of us kind of get dressed up a little bit more than normal, and some folks come to church that normally don't go to church, and so they kind of come, and, you know, it's a good thing to do, and we've seen some really kind of fun songs, and this guy's getting up here telling us that, you know, hey, Easter, he's alive, he's alive. It just kind of yada, 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 same thing. You know, every Easter, that's what it is. And I got to thinking about this, and I realized that there is a connection that I haven't caught before. And I wanna ask that you would catch that connection today about Jesus' prediction that he would raise on the third day and he exactly did it. I want you to think an interesting connection. Here's a way I'd explain it. Let's say I take another road trip next month and it's a little bit farther away and a little bit longer and I, I predict all that stuff again, and, and that time I'm one mile off, and I'm one minute off. And then we go the next month, and we kind of do the same thing, and I'm exact on it. And then I am exact for three, four trips down the line, and I've got this thing in me with the ability to predict how far we're going to go and how long it's going to take us. And I'm so good at it that you all hear about it, and before you take trips, you're all calling me. Hey, dude, how far is it to Myrtle Beach? How long do you think it'll take us to get? Don't you got a GPS? Oh, yeah, but man, we believe you. We trust you. Why is that? Because after a while of being right, you're really going to believe somebody. Jesus did that. That if Jesus predicted that I'm going to come alive on the third day, gang, if he did that, if that was what he did, then, then dude, you ought to believe everything he says. You ought to hear things like, I will forgive you your sins. And don't be that person that says, yeah, I know that he does the resurrection, I get all that, but I don't know if he can forgive my sins. So what you're telling me, you're telling me that he can raise from the dead, but he can't forgive your sins, really? So Jesus was able to do the miraculous, the unthinkable, so that we would say, man, if he can do that, he can do anything. And when you take that concept and kind of wrap it around in your head a little bit, you start to realize that everything that he said was true. Everything. And every prediction he made, you can take it to the bank. You can count on it. And it leads me to bring up another amazing prediction probably on par with the resurrection itself that Jesus made. And if he made the resurrection and fulfilled it, then dude, I tend to think he's gonna fulfill this one. And he made this prediction. I will come back. I will come back. And when I come back, I will do the great separation that I will take all of the forces of evil and all the characters of evil throughout history and subject them to eternal punishment. 
And I will take all of the forces of good and all of the characters that have joined lives with me and I will take them to a place of paradise where they will be joyous and happy and purposeful every day for all of eternity. And I will return to make that happen. He was unquestionable in his powerful prediction of that. Notice how it said in the last book of the Bible, quoting Jesus, behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he's done. Revelation 22 verse 12. And if you really want to know what that means, then join me in my virtual Bible study through the book of Revelation starting on Tuesday nights, April 20th. If that sounded like an unashamed advertisement, it's because it was, okay? But it doesn't change. It doesn't change what is being said. Jesus, the one who said, third day, I'm alive. And it happened. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And so it causes me to see this interesting connection between the resurrection and the return. Dude, if he did that, he can do this. It causes me to think this. Check this out. If he fulfilled an amazing prediction once, you better believe that he can do it again. And so if you're hearing on this day that the resurrection leads to his return, the real question is, am I ready for his return? And I want you to just take a little bit of a pause for a second. I want you to take a little bit of breath with me and just kind of soak this in for a second. And I want to ask you to go along with me just for a minute and, and, and let's just hit the pause button and let's just ask the question, am I ready for that? And you know, gang, I think there's a lot of people, we just put the cards on the table, who are gonna come to Easter this weekend, not just at our church, but churches all over the world. And they're gonna show up in churches that are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and they're gonna walk out of here and say, man, that was a nice thing, that was good, glad I went, it was really awesome, loved the music, preacher wasn't too bad, people were nice, and then go back to work on Monday like it never, ever happened. And some of you will do that. And I wanna challenge you, I wanna beg you, I wanna plead with you, don't let that happen to you. Ask yourself, if he came out of the tomb, I know he's coming back. Will I be ready? And if you don't know whether you're ready, I'm gonna put you in one of three classifications right now. And there's not a person in this room who doesn't fit in one of these classifications. And I'm gonna be Mr. Honest with you here for a second. I'm gonna lay it on the table and tell you the truth, okay? The very first classification of people who need to be ready, I'm gonna say this to you. I'm gonna encourage you to do this. Check this out. I'm gonna encourage you to stay in the game. And who I'm talking about in this room are people who are connected with God. You have given your life to Jesus. You are walking with Jesus. You're here at Easter because you're here every weekend. 
You love the Lord with all of your heart. And you're saying, am I ready? You know I'm ready, Dave. Man, I've been ready. I am in this thing. Can I say this to you? Can I challenge you to make sure you stay in the game? that you don't get weary with your faith, that you don't drop your guard, that you don't get worn out with it a little bit, that you don't go backwards any. Did you know this? And I'm talking to faithful believers in Jesus in the room right now. You know who you are, okay? I'm talking to you as a faithful part of the family. Do you know that one of the most often quoted commands in the whole Bible is to faithful followers of God that you persevere? Why is that one of the most often mentioned things in the Bible? Because it's very easy, easy for strong, faithful Christians, for something to happen in life, something to get busy, something going on, and then faith is not as big as it used to be. Jesus, when he returns, and he will return, will be looking for those who have stayed in the game not those who are drifting out of the game. Now there's another group of people that I think this is the way you get ready, and it's this, get back in the game. Now again, I'm gonna put my cards on the table and I'm gonna be honest about it. I'm just gonna be true and real, and if you don't like it, that's cool. We don't have to look at each other for a little bit and you'll get over it and I'll get over it, but let me be a truth teller and lay it on the truth. There are gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of people this weekend who will be in churches all over the world who used to walk faithfully with God. Used to. They had some kind of a connection with the Father. They had some kind of knowledge with Jesus. And faith was a very meaningful thing in their life. But then life got busy. Or life got hard. And then faith just wasn't what it used to be. It didn't carry the importance in life as it used to carry. And now it's Easter. And so it just kind of seems the right thing to go to church on Easter, and then on Monday, we'll go, we'll go back to that life that we're living that might be a great life, but it's a life where we used to be in the game and we're not in the game anymore. When Jesus returns, and he will return, he's looking for people who've gotten back in the game. And one of the most familiar stories in the whole Bible was told to folks like you. It's the parable of the prodigal son, where someone who used to be connected with the father and life just got in the way, man, and now that connection isn't where it used to be, and they come to this point where they say, it is time to come home. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to individually in this room or online or over in our overflow, but I know that there are people right now who are listening to me thinking, he is talking to me. Because this has moved me away from God, and that's moved me away from his church, and that's spoiled me on how he wants me to live. And I remember when I used to have all that going, and I just don't have it going right now. And I came to church on Easter weekend, and blow me away, the preacher gets up, and he challenges me, it is time to get back in the game. 
Now, there's some people who have a third area of getting readiness, and I'm just going to call it this. I'm going to call it jumping in the game. And let me tell you who the people are who I'm going to challenge you to jump in the game. I'm going to tell you who you are. You've never bought into any of this. This has never been a part of your life. Maybe you've been totally against it, or maybe it's kind of been, you know, whatever. I just, it's not a part of my life. And it might be something nobody's ever taught it to you. Maybe you've never had any reason to be led to it. Might not have anything to do with you being wrong in any way. Or it might be where you said, I don't believe it. But for some reason, you're not in the game. You're just not there. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that you would see this as the opportunity to get in the game, to jump in the game, to say it is time to get ready. Why is this important? Why? If you're here in this room and the only reason you're here is because someone offered to buy you dinner afterwards, okay? That's the only reason you came or get your grandma off your back and that's why you're here. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. If he rose from the dead, predicted it, and did it, he will come back. And you better be ready. So if you're here, can I tell you how to get ready? Can I tell you how to jump in the game? It happens in the Bible when a person says, I want Jesus in my life, and I do that at a moment of Christian baptism. Water washes me like the blood of Jesus and my sins are forgiven and I come up out of the water resurrected to a new life that now I'm gonna walk with you, Lord. I'm not very good at it. It's gonna take me a long time, but that's where I'm going. I am in the game. It happens when a person says, I wanna give my life to you and I'm gonna do it in Christian baptism and I'm gonna make a bold, bold call right now. If you have never done that, I'm gonna ask that you do that before we leave tonight. Before you walk out of this room, I'm gonna ask that you would do that. And I'm gonna finish up here in a couple of minutes. We're gonna be done. I wanna tell you a story, and when I'm done with that, we're gonna get up, and, and I wanna encourage everybody to go back and get your gift if you're one of our guests. We got some things for you. We'd love to give you a guest point, and just have a great time and celebrate a wonderful Easter weekend. But my challenge is that when I'm done, I'm gonna get down on that floor, and I'm gonna come down there, and after I pray, and I'm gonna ask anybody who wants to get in the game that you come up and see me. And you might say, man, I don't know. I got somebody waiting on me. Well, it ain't about them. It's about you. Okay? And I didn't plan for it. Well, you better plan for it. Because he is coming. And I want to call you to make a decision this day before you leave. If you are online and you're listening, you say, how do I do that? You, you get on our connect card, you make a comment, we will get back with you. We will make that happen for you. I don't want you to pass that up. So everybody in the room, I want you to stay in the game, I want you to get back in the game, or I want you to jump in the game. Now let me tell you why, and I want to tell you a story. I'm asking you to indulge me because I have a story in my heart that has been brewing for a number of years, and I've just been waiting on the right time to tell it. I wanted the time to be right. I wanted it to be a time in which I would be able to tell it to you. For a long time, I wasn't able to tell that to you. And over the last couple of weeks, God has been working on me that this is 
the time. On January 21 of 2015, I drove to a memory care unit of a local nursing home right in this area, and I was planning to wish my dad a happy 81st birthday. I couldn't believe it. Dad was 81. And I drove there with anticipation to wrap my arms around him and tell him happy birthday. And even if he didn't know it was his birthday, he would laugh about it and we'd have a good time and enjoy a dinner together or something. And instead of having a, a happy birthday, I walk into his room and I find him near comatose from his slow decline of dementia. The sight was shocking to me. I took pictures of dad in his bed and I looked at those pictures again today on my phone and it was an image that will never, ever, ever leave me. And so instead of hugging my dad on his birthday and having a great day, we call an ambulance and we take dad to the emergency room on his 81st birthday where they tell us in the ER what they tell you at every ER. It doesn't matter if you walk in there with a heart attack or you slit your finger or both your legs just fell off. They're gonna run through the same test. And so we're gonna go through all the tests that we've went through over and over and over at every trip. And so we sit and we wait on all the tests. And dad never wakes up through any of it. At the end of it, one of the most compassionate doctors that I've ever met in all of my life sits down with me and my wife, and he said, Mr. Hastings, I wanna be a truth teller to you. Your dad's body is trying to shut down. And he said, we will keep it going for as long as you want us to. We can do that. I remember his quote was, we have a $1 billion facility that can keep your dad alive as long as you want him to be alive but his body is trying to shut down. And if you want it to shut down, we will do it comfortably and peaceful for you. Nobody ought to ever have to make that decision. I think I had one of the wisest dads of anybody I've ever known. Because remember my dad telling me, you're gonna be in this situation sometime. I want you to do what I want done. And I knew already what his answer was. And so instead of having cake on the evening of his 81st birthday, we turned him over to compassionate, caring, incredibly gifted medical professionals to minister tenderly with him until he would breathe his last on his 81st birthday. You never know how long those things take. As a pastor, I've been there many, many times. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it, it goes on and on and on. The will to live is incredible. And so we sat with him and we made it through the first day and the first night. And then we made it through the second day and the second night. And then we made it through the third day and the third night and he never woke up and it seemed like every hour he became less of who he was he looked worse this this giant 
of a man that I'd known all my life was dwindling into this mass of almost inhumanity. We, for some reason, got caught up in the blood pressure check because we attached a lowering blood pressure to the moment getting close. And so we would ask him, can you take his blood pressure? Can you take his blood pressure? And these wonderful servants would tell us, hey, we'll take his blood pressure every minute if you want it done. But that's not really the sign. They said, we, we, we know other things to look for, and we know that the time is getting close. Blood pressure isn't one of them, but if you want it, we want it. And so we would always ask, can you give us blood pressure? And so day one and day two and day three and day four and day five and day six, never woke up. In the middle of the sixth day, we were gathered in his room and we were absolutely wiped out and exhausted. And a nurse came in and she said, you guys are wiped out. She said, why don't you go down into the the lobby area and get some food and relax a little bit and I'm gonna reposition your dad and kind of clean him up a little bit and and so we left and she said I'll come I'll come and get you when we're done and and so we were there for about an hour and they came down and said okay you can you can come on back and we walked in the room and I knew it they had gotten him ready he was laying on his back instead of being all crumpled up. His arms were folded. They'd shaven him. They'd given him a haircut around the ears. They'd put gel in his hair. They had put it together and, and combed it and brushed it. And they'd lathered him with something that made it smell like such a refreshing, pleasant smell. And I looked and knew that they had gotten him ready to die. I looked over at the nurse who was at the door, the entrance door when we came in, and I said to my, my siblings there, my wife as we gathered around, my son was there, and I said, they've gotten him ready. This is it. I looked at the nurse and she just, she nodded because they saw something we didn't see. We all got around the bed and we grabbed his arms and his hands. And in a few minutes he was gone. I went back to that room every year since then on the date of his passing and walked into the room, total stranger, and whoever was in the room, I said, can I pray for you? at the hour that he died. I went to the nurse's station and told him, you probably don't remember me, but thank you for what you've done because you readied my dad to die. And I've thought about that over and over since that day, and now I'm at the point where I can talk about it and process it in my mind. And as great as they had done, as awesome as they had made that experience in that moment, that's not when my dad got ready. It happened nine years earlier, two days after Christmas, when my phone rang and my dad on the other end said, do you think you can get up to Illinois and baptize me? 
I am ready to turn a corner, and the time is now. That's when he got ready. And no matter how they readied him physically in that room, would have never made any difference had he not got ready then. Can I ask you to do that? To stay in the game, to get back in the game, to jump in the game. And I'm gonna pray, and when I'm done praying, I wanna encourage again our guests, go back there, we wanna meet you, I wanna give you some stuff. Be safe, enjoy your weekend, have a great weekend, I hope you come back next weekend. But if you're ready to get ready, come right on up here and see me, I'll come right down there, and we'll help you do that. Father, I thank you for the wonderful gift of your son Jesus. I praise you that he rose from the dead and makes all this possible. And I praise you that that's led millions and millions and millions and millions of people through the years to believe and to turn their life toward him where someday they will welcome him for all of paradise. And whoever needs that, whoever is lacking that in this room this weekend, I pray that you will give them the boldness to turn their life to the only hope that they really have, Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen and amen.